morning. Keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 8. Those verses which were just read will be our text this morning. Luke 8, verses 22 through 25. And our focus this morning will be on faith. In verse 25, Jesus said to his disciples, Where is your faith? That will be our title this morning for the sermon. Where is your faith? We're going to try to answer that question as we examine the behavior of the disciples and the different circumstances that we see in this text and then make application to ourselves. Before we begin, though, we need a working definition for faith. Now, the word faith, it means a firm persuasion or conviction. And when the Bible uses this word to describe man's relationship with God, it signifies commitment out of conviction. Because we have been convicted of the truth of the gospel by the grace of God, we are now committed to Christ. And it is the nature of saving faith, as described in the Bible, to live by the truth it receives. In salvation, we become new creatures in Christ. Faith has a transforming effect on us that leads to a change in our lives. Faith rests on God's promises, gives thanks for God's grace, and works for God's glory. That's biblical saving faith, not mere conviction, but transformation, a new birth. But faith is not a once-and-done exercise in the Christian life. We're called to live by faith. In every area of our lives, in every circumstance we face, in the good times, in the bad times, in the everyday times of our lives, we are to live by faith. What does that mean? What does that look like? Convinced of the truth of the gospel by the grace of God, we are committed to Christ, and we are to live by the truth revealed in the gospel. It's a life of faith. And living by faith, it will affect every area of our lives. Now, the lesson for us from this text is not, it is not, have more faith and you will be delivered from the storms of life, but rather, in the calm, in the storm, in every other circumstance of our life, our faith, in a very real and practical way, should be in Jesus Christ. Very often, as Christians, we do not live by faith in Jesus Christ, at least not in a practical sense. So often our hope, our confidence, or our fear, our worry, is not based on the revelation of the gospel, but rather it's based upon ourselves, or it's based upon our circumstances. We exercise a practical faith in ourselves and our circumstances and not in the hope we have in Jesus Christ. As we study this text, we'll see three separate settings where the disciples were convinced something was true... And then acted accordingly. And as we examine the faith of the disciples, may we hear the words of Jesus as it's spoken to us. Where is your faith? And may this question ring in our ears. And as we go about our lives, may it cause us to pause and to examine ourselves. Where is your faith? Before we begin, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the account that we have recorded and preserved here for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to be humble before you this morning. As your spirit works through your word, may it bring conviction. Lord, may it cause us to be humble before you. And Lord, then may we go out and live as you have called for us to live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
The first setting we're going to study in this passage is before the storm. Look again at Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he, Jesus, went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Jesus went into a ship with his disciples, told them to cross the lake. Now this ship would have most likely been one of those fishing boats common to the time. Recent archaeology has given us an excellent idea of exactly what these boats would be like. In 1985, a first century fishing boat was found buried in the mud along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. That boat was 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and 4 feet deep. These were relatively small fishing boats. For context, a boat this size would fit between the piano and the organ. And so a small boat. Now the lake, as Jesus refers to it, is the Sea of Galilee. It's a body of water about 13 miles long, 6 miles wide. It's located in a deep depression in the Jordan Valley. And this makes it prone to sudden and violent storms like the one we see in this text. The disciples and Jesus, they got into this boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. And remember, the disciples are working men. These are not men of academia. Most of them were accustomed to outdoor manual labor. Several of them had been fishermen, spending their lives on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. They would have been very familiar with this type of boat and with the Sea of Galilee where they were sailing. And when they got in this boat, Jesus said to them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And then what happens? The end of verse 22 tells us, They launched forth. The disciples did not voice any concern. There was no protest. This was something they would have been very comfortable with. It would be like you and I getting into a car, going on a long car drive. So common and routine that it seems almost insignificant. Now keep in mind, Jesus knows what is about to happen. He crossed the lake on purpose. As we will see next week, Lord willing, there was ministry for Jesus to accomplish on the other side of the lake. Now, Jesus could have gone around the lake by land, but he chose to go across the lake. And in this journey across the lake, Jesus was going to reveal more about himself to his disciples and more about the disciples to themselves. But the disciples did not know this. All that they knew at this point was that they were in a boat with Jesus and were going to cross the lake. In this setting, where is the faith of the disciples? Again, I want to be very clear. Our goal here is not to critique the disciples. I simply want us to examine the topic of faith from the events we see in this text. And what did the disciples believe was true, as evidenced by their actions? What were the disciples convinced of at this point? They believed. They were convinced that they could cross the lake. At this point, they could probably see the other side on a clear day. You can see easily across the Sea of Galilee. Most of them had probably crossed this lake many, many other times in their lives in boats just like this one. And when Jesus said cross the lake, they don't seem to give it a second thought. They believed they could do what Jesus had said. More than that, they knew they could do what Jesus had said. They were fully convinced, and they acted on that conviction. They launched forth. At this point, their faith was in themselves in a practical sense. That is, that they believed they could accomplish the task set before them. Now, let's make application to ourselves. The vast majority of our time, the vast majority of our time, is filled with the mundane. 
There are things that we do every single day. And we have to do them every single day. And we don't think about it. We get up in the morning. We get ready. We go to work. We eat. We sleep. We take care of our families. We mow the grass. Just the mundane, everyday things of life. And we don't think about these tasks. We just do them. Hear the words of Jesus. Where is your faith? Examine your approach to these mundane, everyday things of life. Whose strength am I resting in? Where does my confidence come from? You know, we would not proclaim the boisterous self-confidence of someone like William Henley, who wrote Invictus. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. We would not say that, but often we act that way in the mundane, everyday tasks of life. We go through life with faith in ourselves and we give no thought to God who enables, sustains, and who provides for even the most mundane, normal, everyday tasks. May we remember the words of Jesus and examine ourselves. Where is your faith? We're called to live by faith. To live with constant reliance upon Jesus Christ. And again, faith is not something we exercise once at salvation and then think about once a week at church. We're to live by faith. Every day, with every task, in every situation, may we live with a constant attitude of dependence and reliance upon God. And we're looking at the faith of the disciples in three settings found in this text. So far, we've looked at their faith before the storm. The next setting we find in this text is in the storm. Look at verses 23 through the first part of verse 24. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Jesus and the disciples began their trip across the lake, and the beginning of verse 23 tells us that Jesus fell asleep. This is an evidence of Jesus' humanity. He was truly human. He was subject to all the same frailty and weakness of the human body that you and I face. Just as we grow tired and need rest, so Jesus grew tired and needed rest. And on this boat, away from the crowds, in a time of relative peace, Jesus slept. But suddenly the peace and quiet of this routine trip across the lake was shattered. Verse 23 tells us that a storm of wind came down on the lake. Now again, sudden storms like this are common on the Sea of Galilee, even today. And certainly those disciples who were fishermen had experienced several storms like this. And they would have known how to handle a boat in rough water. They were experienced men. But quickly this storm got the better of them. And the boat began to fill with water. Now maybe some of you have experienced something like this. You know, my father was an avid fisherman, and he would take us out on the water in all sorts of weather. And one time when I was a young boy, my dad took us out on a lake in Minnesota called Malax Lake. And it's a huge lake, over 200 square miles. And it was late in the fall in Minnesota, so it was cold, and it was windy. And we got out to where my dad wanted to fish, and there were waves that were actually coming over the side of my dad's little 16-foot boat. And I was nervous, uh, but my father, who was an experienced fisherman, he had a plan, and he was confident, he was calm. And because he knew what he was doing, 
and he remained calm, that gave me assurance. And you wonder how some of the disciples who were not fishermen felt about this situation. Think of Levi the publican, a man of books, the former tax collector. When the storm first blew up, maybe he was worried, but he looks over at Peter, the experienced fisherman who had spent his life on the water, and Peter was unworried, and so maybe Levi was reassured. It's just some wind. It'll pass. We will be fine. But as the storm continued and the boat began to fill with water, even the professional fishermen began to worry. And that worry turned into alarm, then fear. They were in jeopardy. The boat was going down. It looked like the storm was going to take their boat down to the bottom of the lake, and they would go with it. In this desperate situation, look at what the disciples do there in verse 24. They woke Jesus up. He must have been tired to have still been asleep. The wind is howling. Waves are washing over the boat. It's filling with water. The disciples despaired of life itself. And in the midst of this, Jesus was still asleep. And so they woke him up and they said, Master, Master, we perish. In Matthew's account, the disciples say, Lord, save us, we perish. In Mark's account, they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now in this setting, where is the faith of the disciples? What do they believe was true? What were they convinced of at this point? Well, they believed that they were going to die in that storm. Master, Master, we perish. The boat would sink, they would drown, and that would be the end. The storm had blown up and had totally crushed their faith in themselves. And in a sense, the storm had become the new object of faith. First, they were convinced that they could cross that lake and had acted accordingly. But now, in the storm, they were convinced that they were going to die. And they acted accordingly. Master, Master, we perish. Now let's make application to ourselves. As we've already mentioned, we usually go through life dealing with everyday mundane tasks that we can handle ourselves. We have confidence we can handle them. We're convinced. We have faith in ourselves. And we do these things. And whether we realize it or not, we often do these things with a self-focused faith. I can do this. But sometimes storms come. Hard things come our way. Bad things happen. Tragedy strikes. Things that are outside of our control. Things that we can't handle. Things that we can't escape. And like the disciples in this text, we can quickly be brought to despair. I perish. It's over. I'm done for. If we are relying on ourselves to handle life when something comes that we can't handle, when something comes that overwhelms us, we will quickly be brought to despair. And the storm will become the new object of our faith. We'll go from confidence in ourselves to handle life to confidence in whatever trouble has come to crush us and be our end. You may be in the middle of a storm right now. There may be things going on in your lives that are beyond your control and you feel like you're being crushed. You're afraid. You're at a point of despair. Hear the words of Jesus. Where is your faith? If you are not a child of God, if you are not a Christian, you have reason to fear. There is no hope in yourself. There is no hope in the storm. Be like the disciples 
who went to Jesus and said, Master, save us. We perish. But if you are a Christian and you are afraid and full of despair, examine your faith in a very practical way. In these circumstances in life, are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in the storm in the circumstances of your life? There's no hope there. Remember that God is with you, Christian, and that God is for you as you are in Christ. Hold on to the rock of your salvation and you will be anchored in the storms of life. God does not promise to deliver us from the storms of life, but he is with us in the storms and he is master of the storms. Nahum 1 verse 3 says, The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. It's true of the natural world, and it's true of every other circumstance we find ourselves in. Sometimes the storm of life, storms of life come upon us suddenly, and we're immediately tempted to fear and to despair. In those moments of temptation, may we be reminded of the words of Jesus, Where is your faith? And may we raise the shield of faith given to us, able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. We're examining the faith of the disciples in the three settings found in this text. First, we saw them before the storm. Then we looked at the faith of the disciples in the midst of the storm. The third and final setting is after the storm. Look at verses 24, the second part of verse 24, down to verse 25. Then he arose, Jesus, and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. At the end of verse 24, we see a powerful demonstration of the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus arose out of his sleep. He heard the panicked disciples say, Master, we perish. Don't you care? Can't you save us? And then he rebuked the wind and the water. And the storm immediately stopped. And there was calm. As a man, Jesus slept in that boat. As God, Jesus stood up in that boat and rebuked the elements of creation. And they obeyed him. He was fully God and fully man, and through this miracle, he continued to reveal himself to his disciples. And then in verse 25, Jesus turned to his disciples and asked them the question that has been our focus this morning. Where is your faith? The storm is calm. It's gone. Jesus is standing in the boat, and he asks his disciples, where is your faith? Now in this setting, again in a practical sense, where was the faith of the disciples? Let's look at their response to their change in circumstances. A while ago, they had been confident that they could cross the lake. A moment ago, they had been confident that they were going to perish in the storm. Now the storm is gone, and the disciples are afraid. Verse 25 tells us, and they being afraid. In the late 1800s, Darwin's theory of evolution began to gain traction, and it tremendously influenced the way people thought. And his influence was not limited to biology. People began to apply this idea. It wasn't really new, but it became more popular, certainly at this time, that the complex 
arise out of the simple. And they apply this idea to many areas of life, one of them being religion. And one of the theories that was advanced by men, like Karl Marx, Sigmund Freud, men like that, was that ancient man invented gods to control things that were outside of man's control. Natural disasters, the growing seasons, storms, things like this. And religion is really just man's coping mechanism to help him deal with the difficult things in life that are outside of his control. If we can create a God who controls these things, and then we believe that by doing different things we can appease that God, then we have regained some control over these things that are beyond us. But that is not the testimony of Scripture. In fact, we see the opposite in Scripture. In this text, the disciples were face to face with the power of God to deliver them from the forces of nature, which were beyond their control, and threaten their imminent destruction. The God-man, Jesus Christ, had saved them from the storm. But we're not told that they were happy. We're not told that they rejoiced. We're not told that they were given any degree of assurance. Instead, they had the opposite response. They were afraid. It's a very strong word for fear. Indicates they were terrified. In Mark's account, I believe it's Mark, it says they were very afraid. Mega afraid. And look at what they said. And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They were afraid of Jesus. Why? Because what he had done was not normal. Who can command the winds and the water? Only God. Psalm 89, 9. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Psalm 93, 3 and 4. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. At the revelation of God's power in Jesus Christ, the disciples were terrified. Where was the faith of the disciples at this point? What did they believe was true? What were they convinced of at this point? They believed that Jesus was not like any other man. And they had an appropriate response. They were afraid. Now let's make application to ourselves. Where is your faith? Right now. What do you believe? What are you convinced is true? First, an application for the unbeliever. Someone who is not trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation. Where is your faith? Where is your hope? Where is your confidence? What are you trusting in? What are you convinced is true? Is your faith in yourself? Are you trusting in yourself, in your goodness, in your ability, in your strength? You will never be enough. You may gain the whole world, but in the end, you will still lose your soul. Are you living at the whim of your circumstances? On a good day, you're happy. On a bad day, you despair. Like a wave on the sea, you're driven by the wind and tossed every direction. Hear the words of Jesus this morning. Where is your faith? You will fail. Your circumstances will change. Trust in Jesus Christ. God alone is worthy to be feared, to be worshipped, to be obeyed. 
In reverential fear, bend the knee before him. Humble yourself before your creator. Repent and believe the gospel. That Jesus, God the Son, came to earth. He lived a perfect, holy, sinless life. And then he went to the cross and gave his life so that your sins may be forgiven. Three days later, he rose from the dead, demonstrating that God was satisfied and that redemption had been accomplished. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. Moral reform is not enough. You can't try harder to be a better person. You can't improve your life and hope that God will be pleased. It's not enough. You're on a sinking ship. It'll do no good to rearrange the deck furniture. You need a Savior, and the only Savior is Jesus Christ. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Hear the words of Jesus. Where is your faith? Now an application for believers. As I was studying this passage this week, I was convicted of many areas in my life where I live without any thought or reliance upon Jesus. So many things that I do simply because they must be done. And I give no thought to the Lord. That should not be the case. That should not be the case. When we live that way, we'll swing between self-reliance and despair. Self-reliance when we think we can handle life and despair when life handles us. And as we see Jesus as he is revealed in this passage, may we be moved as the disciples were moved to fear. May we remember that we are but dust. May we be humbled before our King and our God. May the words of Jesus ring in our hearts as we go out of here this morning and about our daily lives. Where is your faith? By the grace of God, may we rest in our faith in Jesus Christ in every situation and circumstance of life. Whether in the calm or in the storm, may our faith be in Jesus Christ. Convinced of the truth of the gospel by the grace of God, we are committed to Christ and we live by the truth revealed in the gospel. Where is your faith? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the your patience in dealing with your people. Lord, how, how, how weak we are, how often we fail, how often we come short. We don't do those things we ought to do, and we do those things we ought not to do. Lord, I pray that your word would sink into our hearts this morning. Lord, that we would be convicted as we go about our daily lives by this question from the lips of Jesus, where is your faith? May we pause, may we consider. Lord, help us to walk in true and living faith with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.